Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He bought our freedom so that we could become his kids. So you could be not only adopted into his family, but be heirs within the family. The greatest gift you have received today, even if you haven't opened it yet, so to speak, it's nothing wrapped in paper, and it's nothing found in a gift bag or anything like that. It's Jesus, it's salvation with him, but not only that, it is blessings and promises and gifts that are awaiting you in Christ Jesus. The season surrounding Christmas has become the largest commercial retail event of the year. The giving and receiving of gifts has become the main focus of Christmas, replacing the real meaning of why we do celebrate it. Even when our families get together, we concentrate more on the presents under the tree. The gathering of families together is still a type of gift that we should give, and that should be celebrated. But today, Pastor James reminds us of the true gift of Christmas and the gifts to follow. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Luke, chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. You got two kids, essentially is what we'll call them, first-time parents, and they're first-time parents to God in flesh. Can you imagine the pressure of that alone? Like, oh no, like, this is the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus. This is Yeshua. This is, this is the Christ. I, I can't even imagine, like, it just seems to me so surreal to be in that moment. As Joseph is there, and, and Joseph is, you know, who knows if there are other people there, probably. I mean, there could have been some other people there helping with the delivery process. Joseph would be the one who's cutting the umbilical cord of Jesus. Like, it's just a real story. It's not like magical or mystical in that sense. It's a real flesh and blood story. And there is Jesus. And here are these two kids, for the first time ever, holding God in flesh. Amazing. That same night, as they're, you know, they, they just welcomed in the Messiah. Verse 8, it says, There were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Just Shekinah of Adonai is what it says. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid. The most common command throughout the entire Bible is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 365 times that command is written in your Bible. Do not be afraid. The angel says, I bring to you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You want to know why that's significant? Because there are no other babies in mangers. Because that's where the animals eat. So they're not like, is that him? No, that's not him. Uh, Let's check this other manger. They're not going around surveying other mangers. There's only one that contains God in flesh or any baby. And here are the shepherds, the lowest of the low, 
Society speaking, within the economy of Israel, the shepherds are at the bottom. Nobody aspires to be a shepherd. Nobody wants to walk around smelling like sheep all day. Okay, this is what you're born into. This is family business stuff. Nobody goes to extra school to learn how to be a shepherd. That wasn't happening. Being a shepherd was beneath most people within Israel, especially the religious leaders who should have been aware that this day was going on, but they totally missed it. At this time, you have men from the east, probably Iran, we talked about this a little bit too, knowing of this story, probably because of Daniel, when he spent time in Babylon, sharing with them prophecies about a future king. So these wise men are saying like, well, look at that big bright star. Let's just follow that thing. Like everything more than likely that Daniel had shared down the line with these guys, they're like, that's the sign. So they're probably making their journey to this place. We know that they weren't there the night of. All your nativity scenes are wrong. I'm sorry, but that's true. Don't throw them away. You're fine. All right. Not a big deal. Okay. But they weren't there the first night. But you got wise men from the East who are not even Jewish, and you have the lowest within the society as shepherds all converging to meet the Son of God. Where are the religious people? Where are the religious experts? The ones who know the Bible so well miss the greatest nights in history. Knowing so much they're as blind as can be. That Jesus showed up and they're like, and they're clueless. They had ideas and all that good stuff, but this was not the Savior they were expecting. But these shepherds, they, they get this message from the angel and he lets them know, he's like, don't be afraid, go check it out, go check him out. Angels are always directing you to Jesus. If an angel shows up in your life and is not directing you to Jesus, do not listen to that angel, quote unquote. If it's a messenger from God, which are real, angels are real, by the way. There's good ones and bad ones. So sorry, Joseph Smith. You were not visited by a good angel. It probably was a bad one. Because good angels always are messengers of Jesus and directing people to Jesus. This angel showed up and he's directing the shepherds to Jesus. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom he God is pleased. So this heavenly chorus erupts. And I'm thinking, there's shepherds in the field. How is nobody else hearing this? Like outside of Bethlehem, wouldn't you think you'd wake up to like, you hear something? Did somebody leave the music on? What's that noise? I mean, that's what I would envision would be happening, right? Like, something's going on. Because it's not like this was a silent choir. It wasn't like sign language. This was voices booming. And the only ones that God has their attention is, is shepherds in the field. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Right? Like, yeah, the smartest move of their lives. They're like, you guys think we should go to Bethlehem? I think we probably should. Yeah, you better go to Bethlehem. After that kind of experience, get to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, they hurried, they hurried to the village and found Mary and the baby lying in the manger, just as the messengers had said. 
I love the emphasis there. And in my Bible, I've, and this is New Living Translation, but in my Bible, I've, I've underlined and circled those words. They hurried and they found. They hurried, they made haste. Oh, you tell me Jesus is there? Then I'm going to hurry to get to where he's at. I, I'm going to diligently seek him out. I will find him. And the beauty of the whole gospel message is that we think we find Jesus. He actually has found us. He was never lost. We were. But I love their attitude. May that always be our hearts and our minds. Oh, you tell me Jesus is moving here? He's on the move over here? Then I want to be where he's at. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them, come and see, go and tell. It's the message of the birth. It's the message of the resurrection. Come and see, now go and tell. It's the message of Calvary Galveston. It's the heartbeat of Calvary Galveston. Come and see our risen Savior and go and tell. Go tell others. Go tell others he's risen. Yes, he came as a child, as a baby, and grew as a man and was sinless, perfect, and became this perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. And he was crucified, but he was buried. But then three days later, he rose again. He is alive. He is alive. Come and see Go and tell. What our world needs more so now than ever before is messengers, ambassadors to represent Jesus, not only through word, but also through deed. You come and see, now you go and tell. You go and tell. Be like these shepherds. Be like the disciples who ran to that empty tomb and witnessed it's empty. And then they saw him when he came back later, and they hung out with him for a while. And there's 500 witnesses eyewitnesses that saw the risen, resurrected Jesus. Come and see, go and tell. And the last little bit of this story that I want to share with you guys is when he's presented in the temple. Because there's two characters, again, part of this birth of Jesus story that don't get a whole lot of mentions or props, but I think they should. So he's presented in the temple. It says, verse 21, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. Remember, the angel had told Joseph, this is what you're going to name him. The name given to him by the angel, there you go, even before he was conceived. When it was time for the purification by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child, they're following the law. They're doing what they're supposed to do. So they bring their child, Jesus. They took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. A beautiful thing. That's where we get like child dedication from as well. If you've ever done that or experienced that, if you're like, I kind of missed the boat. Now my kid's 20. Can I still dedicate him to the Lord? Well, you can, but it might be weird for them, right? Be like, I'll hold them like this and pray over them. And you can dedicate him to the Lord without me. So, okay, just so you know. They bring him to dedicate him to the Lord. It says the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. That is a sacrifice for poor people. That's all they had. That's all they had. And they probably were scraping just to get those two turtle doves. But I love that they were obedient to the Lord. And you could tell that it had clicked. It resonated within their hearts. They know who they're carrying. 
and they know that he is worthy of everything they have. You want two pigeons? You want two turtle doves? Here you go. Because he's worthy of them. He's worthy of all we have. And isn't it beautiful to know the whole story that even through that, and and these are two kids, and they don't have a whole lot, but how God supplies their needs in the end, he always takes care of, always takes care of his kids. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, was eagerly waiting. There it is, that word again, just like the shepherds, okay? He's eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So here is Simeon who's been waiting his whole life for the Messiah in Jesus in the form of a baby who is only, what, eight days old, shows up. And the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon and said, get to the temple today. Get to the temple today. And he shows up and he knew. He knew exactly why God was telling him to get to the temple because he saw the Messiah and he, obviously, through the, through the Holy Spirit communicating, to him and in him and through him and all that good stuff was like, saw the baby and was like, there he is. He's the Messiah. This old man grabs hold of baby Jesus and has a Lion King moment, right? Like raises him up. Salvation. Salvation is here. And that was enough for Simeon. He's like, Lord, you can take me now. I've seen salvation. Your word has come true. I'm good. You can take me home now. There was another person that was there as well. Anna, let's read this last little portion here. Verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul, Mary. Mary, you're blessed, but this blessing is going to come with a hardship. And it, part of that was carrying around this, you know, living with those unfounded rumors. But then at the end of his life, Jesus' life, Mary would watch her, her baby boy be crucified. Her firstborn baby boy be just slaughtered. If you do the math, Mary was somewhere around 44 to 46 years old when Jesus died. 44 to 46 years old when, Jesus, when she watched her baby boy die on that cross. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie um, The Passion, right? Mel Gibson did that thing. I've seen it twice, and it wrecked me. But there's a beautiful image, and this is theatrical, but you have Mary on the floor mopping up her son's blood. And I think they did such a beautiful job and great job of what that would have been like. Like, this is, these are real people. Please don't elevate them to a place where they don't belong, as if she's 
super holy and super pious, and we'd been like, it was the Lord's will for this to happen. She's a mom. She just watched her son die. She was selected by God, and that came with a price. But then she also got to see her baby boy resurrected. Amazing. And Mary's an amazing woman. She is blessed, for sure. She is not perfect. She is never sinless. You don't need her to intercede on behalf of you. You have a direct line to Jesus. But she was set apart by God. That's special. That's amazing. Then Anna, last bit here. Anna, a prophetess, was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of uh, Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. It says her husband died when they had been married for only seven years. So yours may say she's been a, a widow for this long or whatever, but her, her husband had passed away, and she never remarried, and she devoted herself to, the, to serving in the temple. She never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. So she just happened to be walking by as Simeon is having this Lion King moment, right? He's like the Savior. And she's like, wait, what? She just happened. There's no coincidences with God. She was there when she needed to be there. Mary and Joseph were there when God wanted them to be there. Jesus was born when God wanted him to be born, okay? This is how this works. She starts praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem, right? So here's Anna, a prophetess, and she sees it. He's the Messiah. It's Jesus. So what does she do? She goes and she tells everybody. When Jesus' parents fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. Wisdom and God's favor was on him. Okay, so there's not included in Luke's story is the fact that they had to run away to Egypt for a little while because Herod was psychotic and killing babies in Bethlehem. So they had to get down to Egypt, and when it was safe, they came back, did all this stuff, but that's all part of this story. But Luke is just giving us these intimate details of what happened in the temple. When everyone should have been worshiping Jesus, only really two people that we know of by name are said to have been worshiping Jesus, not counting the shepherds who were in the fields, probably not really allowed into the temple. He showed up. He came when he was supposed to be here. He did everything that he said he was going to do. Everything that the scriptures have talked about concerning the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled all the stuff. The prophecies about his birth, which are many, were fulfilled to the exact detail. And there's no way you can finagle that. You can't like, Mary and Joseph can't like try to plan this out of like, okay, so what we can do is like, he's got to be born around this time. So let's conjure up a story where you'll get me pregnant, but I'll say it was an angel that showed up one night and then he showed up to you too. We'll we'll just come up with this story and and all that. You can't fake this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. The prophecies are, are amazing. And even if it was just one prophecy being fulfilled, it would be enough. But we have more than that. Galatians chapter 4 says this. But when the right time came, God sent his son. When the fulfillment of the time happened, God sent his son. Born of a woman, subject to the law, which he fulfilled perfectly. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, 
God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. The greatest gift that has ever happened to any of us is the fact that Jesus came to this planet, was born, lived a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave three days later, and then the story continues on. He bought our freedom so that we could become his kids, so you could be not only adopted into his family, but be heirs within the family. The greatest gift you have received today, even if you haven't opened it yet, so to speak, it's nothing wrapped in paper, and it's nothing found in a gift bag or anything like that. It's Jesus, it's salvation with him, but not only that, it is blessings and promises and gifts that are awaiting you in Christ Jesus. This day is about him. And yes, it's cool to get presents. I'm a, look, I'm all for that and all that good stuff. That's cool. But isn't it amazing that the one who created this planet, created each and every one of us, came to this earth, lived the sinless life so he could be the perfect sacrifice for us, died a brutal death, rose again three days later, went up to heaven, is currently preparing a place for you and for myself. He is defending you against the attacks of the enemy, both verbally that he is making accusations about you, which some may even be true. He is defending you because you are covered in his blood. And the gifts keep going. And the blessings keep coming. And it's like, we should give like, you know, we should have that thing of like, man, Lord, I'll give you everything. He's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. I'm never going to stop blessing you. And that's like the, the brilliance and the beauty of Jesus. It's not about the blessings, but that's the reality of following Jesus, is the blessings never stop. Even when you get to heaven, the blessings will never stop. This is how good he is. Christmas is amazing because of Jesus. And it's a good reminder for us that the one who's given the perfect gift and the greatest gift and all that good stuff will never stop giving gifts to his kids. And just one last little verse I want to send you off with, found in the book of James, beautiful little verse. It's in fact, it was the verse that Nellie and I had selected for our wedding. James chapter 1, verses 16, 17 says this, So do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You ever think about that? That, like, Jesus actually considers you a gift. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? He gives us so much. And when he looks down at you, I don't know what state you're in. I don't know what, you know, what, you're, what you're going with. I know sometimes holidays can be difficult. But please let me plant this thought within your head and your heart. Jesus looks at you as a gift. He looks at you as a gift. That's amazing. The greatest gift ever looks at you as like, you're a gift. You're a blessing to me. What? No, Jesus, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been watching. Um, I don't, no, James, you're a blessing to me. I hope that's encouragement for you guys. The Christmas story is, is an amazing one. And as amazing as it is, the, the Easter story, the resurrection story, I like to say, takes it to another level. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken heart.
It's a tale as old as time. Everyone has heard the Christmas story, as it's been passed down from generation to generation. There have been storylines created to share different perspectives and offer insight into what it was like for all those groups involved in this miracle of love and life. As you enter into yet another Christmas season this year, we encourage you to share this story with your loved ones again, and to think about how amazing it is after all this time that the story of Jesus hasn't changed at all. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Today, Pastor James shared a special Christmas message, celebrating the birth of Jesus and our salvation. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're so glad that you decided to join us for today's special message. The Christmas season is one of new hope and new life. If you'd like to be a part of sharing that life with the world, would you consider partnering with us financially in this coming year? To find out how, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And as we move into the new year, we want to invite you to celebrate the life we find in Jesus together, in person. Come see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or Thursday at 7 p.m. We would love to worship God together with you. Our gatherings are simple and uncomplicated, so you're sure to find a place that you'll fit right in. Well, that's all that we have for today. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you again here next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.